Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey Tunes and Tumblers fam, it's your host Anthony. As I'm sure a lot of you have noticed, sometimes we play you snippets of the music we discuss, and sometimes we don't. That's because in order to bring you those tasty morsels of audio goodness, we first have to obtain the rights to them. But Anthony, you say? I was listening to another, less favorite pod of mine, and they play copyrighted music all the time. You know, that's great and all, but it isn't exactly legal, even for snippets that are just 30 seconds long. We work with amazing artists, some of them on huge record labels, and we want to do things right. So if you want to hear more of the songs we talk about without pausing to open Spotify, the easiest way is to donate to the show. Go into the episode description, scroll to the bottom, and hit the little link to support us and help make Tunes and Tumblers even better. Thanks, fam. Now, enjoy the episode. Tunes and Tumblers Welcome to Tunes and Tumblers by Atwood Magazine. Listening to music is more than an auditory experience. Tunes and Tumblers explores the way our senses mingle by pairing new and classic albums with cocktail and mocktail recipes. We invite you to bring out your inner mixologist as we approach the music we love from a unique, immersive, and thoroughly delicious perspective. So put up your feet and enjoy a cold one on us. I'm your host, Anthony, and I regret to inform you that this is our penultimate episode of Season 3. Soon I will finish burying acorns in my backyard, dig a burrow, and curl up in the dirt while I wait for spring, skipping Christmas altogether. None of y'all are getting presents from me this year. Please enjoy the hibernation responsibly. Of course, we all know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I found a couple of guys who are also burying an assortment of nuts for the long winter, and they are... Uh, Ryan, your music connoisseur. And Pedro, your mixologist. And our guests today are a blues folk duo zooming in all the way from the UK. Even though they hail from across the pond, they boast an ardent love for classic Americana and infuse the lost art of American storytelling and deep south blues into their atmospheric and resonant music. They first made waves with their debut single Reaching and their album Chasing Lights, which was praised by both Rolling Stone, The Independent, and NPR. They just wrapped up a tour supporting the one and only Willie Nelson and are here today to discuss their blistering sophomore effort, which was primarily written in the back of a moving car and features an all-star lineup of guests from Marcus King to Greta Van Fleet's Jake Kiska and Ethan Johns. Tunes and Tumblers fam, please welcome Stephanie Jean and Chris Turpin, better known as the band Ida May, to the pod. Thank you both for joining us today. Uh, you know, we've been doing more and more of these transatlantic interviews, and, you know, I kind of think I should start becoming nocturnal to get them all done. <laughs> You're up early today. <laughs> That's the only thing getting me up before noon, honestly. <laughs> and I want to say this first this has been a long time coming i've personally been a fan of your music since chasing lights and i don't know if you two remember but we slid into your dms way earlier this year to ask you to come onto the show and i'm glad we could finally make it work all these months later i'm oh. glad too i hope we were nice yeah <laughs> well thank, thank you for having us <laughs> You actually blocked and reported us, <laughs> and it took us a long time to get our account back. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about today, but first we need to break the ice a little. What has everyone been listening to lately? I've been spending time with the new St. Paul and the Broken Bones single, 
which I'm super excited about. Uh, it's called Love Letter from a Red Roof Inn, and it's from their new album called Alien Coast, which, if you know me, you know, I can't wait for that. Uh, there's going to be Greek mythology, dystopian sci-fi, 17th century uh, Italian sculpture. It's like the Stefan SNL bit. This album has everything, um, it seems. So, so far, I'm loving it, you know. It's um, a nice ballad that sounds like it's someone having a telephone conversation, so excited for St. Paul. In, in what way does it sound like it's a phone call? Is it just it like, sounds very... hold and then elevator music for two minutes? <laughs> Your yeah, call is that's important it. to us. Please remain on the line. <laughs> it's a very lifeless, muted uh, samba rhythm. Um, no, it sounds like a call because it's very hu- like kind of hushed and delicate and intimate. Like someone who's trying not to wake someone else in the hotel room. So Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we've been listening to a little bit of the new Nathaniel Rateliff record, mm-hmm. which has been quite mm-hmm. exciting, which is that tune Survivor is gigantic. Yeah. Uh, and then we've been listening to a, a ton of British folk. We just went to London last week and um, to this tiny pub called the Ivy House and saw a chap called Martin Simpson, who was one of my favorite guitar players and a bit of a British folk hero. And uh, it was in this tiny 1940s ballroom on the outskirts of London, um, surrounded by people drinking ale and uh, wearing anoraks. It was brilliant. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love But yeah, he's, he's, I've got to say, he's an amazing, not enough people know about Martin Simpson. He's an incredible uh, guitar player and songwriter. And he lived as well out in the U.S. for, for many years as well. And uh, he lived up, I think, in Ithaca, around Ithaca Falls or somewhere around there. But he's a fascinating songwriter and player. And great storyteller. As great well. storyteller. And one of these artists in, in the folk community over here in the U.K., they never really seek the limelight. So they play these small rooms and tiny sit-down venues. And uh, it's pretty amazing. You just hear music coming wow. from the shadows in the back. <laughs> it's just where they hang. <laughs> Should I take us away next? Of course. All right. So I got the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to interview a man named William Des or Bill Des. People know him as Two Feet. Um, he uh, he's somebody who like got really popular because a few of his songs went viral and. I listened to his album in preparation for that interview. The album is called Max Mako is Dead, right? And it's this concept album about an alter ego he created in response to a very public mental health struggle that caused his label at the time to abandon him and landed him in various psych hospitals. And he created this character that is both what he considers his uninhibited side and kind of like this amalgamation of stories he heard from other people in the hospitals. And this album in particular was a way for him to work through his emotions. And at the end, he ultimately lets this character go as you know, the title would suggest. And um, this is like, despite that story, it is a really chill, really fun album. And uh if you haven't listened to his music before, it combines R&B, blues, moody electronic flourishes. And he's a guitarist by trade. And his guitar sounds less like an instrument and more like a second voice on his tracks, if you can imagine that. It's, it just draws you in and it's very like sultry and you want to dance. But at the same time, all of the underpinnings are about this really rough mental health struggle that he's trying to get through. Anyway, I don't know if that sells you on it, but go check it out. <laughs> eh. <laughs> no, that sounds that sounds quite compelling. Uh, all right, so I'm bringing up the the end here. Um, I've been really into this artist named uh, Demir D A M E E R. Um, he's got an album out called "For We Are Distant" that he released earlier this year. Um, and it's a great like indie rock album put out through Majestic Casual Records. Um. Fans of like, like if you're into like Mac DeMarco or like Vampire Weekend, Ariel Pink, Boy Pablo, like you'd probably be into this. It's really great, like chill stuff, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, moving vocals and like melodies and stuff. It's it's really, really good, really enjoyable. So check it out, Demir. Is that everyone? Did we get through everyone this quickly? 
Oh, we're what? done. Wait, where's what Drew? Is... <clears throat> Drew he's, doesn't have he's a part. Got, he's gone. He's chilling. <laughs> What's the what is what did Mac DeMarco call his genre of music? Oh, I forget. I don't. G- I only jizz listen jazz. to what he. I only, oh God! What was it? How could I G- forget uh, that? Jizz jazz is what Mac DeMarco jizz calls jazz. his style of music. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Why dead, not yo. just make up genre names these days, right? What have you? <laughs> Have you, uh, has your band had, what's the funniest genre you've seen or like anyone's attributed to you? Any funny made up ones? Yeah, everything. We had a ton of ridiculous comparisons when we first started playing out a lot in the US. Um, they weren't even really musical. No, they weren't genre though. related. It, it, it became like a thing that where we'd come off stage and people would be like, oh, y'all remind me of, and then they'd just say two random people. <laughs> Yeah, and the first one was <laughs> Kurt Cobain and Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, but now that you've said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair play. Yeah, they might have had some, some points there. We'll take it. My layers were better back then, you see. <laughs> <laughs> you had the full Rachel haircut. What a surreal thing that must be to have just like poured your heart and soul into a set and someone to say man you remind me of jennifer aniston <laughs> it happened several times but we've found the main thing is that when people like you and they see you opening up for someone they just compare you to other people they like so yeah, they just say you're bad, like then. my other favorite band no, mm-hmm. no, fair enough um but i don't really know what genre we are we get we get quite a lot of the blues thing um because i play the, the metal guitar and slide and we kind of do that a bit but we never really we don't really listen to blues music so much anymore it was in our formative years mm. and now we listen to just everything i think i listened on my mm. spotify roundup of the year it was something like uh, <laughs> 1200 different artists or something just just oh, insanity wow so i don't know we we listen to all sorts of stuff so i don't really know what genre we are we're yeah just it's kind of, tricky isn't it yeah i mean everyone just gives us their own genre you can just say americana but whatever that means <laughs> these days um, that's not everything i, I mean i guess it. we're that but i don't know we're folk and we're rock and we're singer songwriter or whatever else there is <laughs> <laughs> yeah this album especially i feel like is 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 a tricky one with the the inclusion of these yeah these drum machines like the fusing of the americana sound <laughs> yeah, it reminds me when the kill. Are you fans of the kills? Yeah, absolutely. we were back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, when I first heard this, it was reminded me when I first heard the kills. See, there I go, just like a fan in the I, audience. I was going to say typ- typical just Americans, like a, just like a jerk off American <laughs> fan can only reference. <laughs> but I got so. But it, I had so much excitement hearing that, and I the blending of those things. You guys do it in a way that I feel like isn't. Um, some people do it in a goth Americana way where it's dark, but it go it starts heading into kitschy territory. And so you guys touch the darkness in ways that are uh, compelling to me. So Yeah, but. the drum machine thing is funny because we've dived into synthesizers and that whole kind of sonic world. And we were trying to copy um, J.J. Kale, if you know that, you know. Oh, yeah. Naturally, sure. that record, that's what we were getting at. Uh, and then John Martin. Do you know John Martin? Yes, yes, yes. yes. A, lot, a lot of people in the US don't know John Martin. They know Nick Drake, but they, don't, they won't know John Martin so much. And he, as a, we've listened to him endlessly. And uh, I was brought up on a record called Solid Air by John Martin, which is just astounding. And if you listen to him do some of those live um, BBC sessions and that sort of thing, he uses the same old drum machines that everyone was buying in the 70s. So we were kind of trying to harken back to that a little bit. And then ironically, it sounds kind of more modern because all those are now yeah. sampled in various hip-hop beats and pop music so even though they're, these are old drum machines that we have from the late 60s and 70s it sounds more modern for <laughs> for using those sounds you know there's a whole list of instruments i was looking at that were incorporated into this album and i am really excited to talk more about that in a minute but i need to remind listeners very quickly that every song we mention on the show goes directly onto the accompanying playlist in the episode description. We wish we could play them all on the show, but number one, each episode would be like three hours long. And number two, Papa Mitch says that's a big no-no and Atwood doesn't have any good copyright lawyers yet. Uh, So just keep that in mind, everyone. I think it's time we moseyed on into the bar. Steph, Chris, did you bring anything to show the bouncer today? 
We have a shameless plug. Yeah, we just thought we'd uh, take this advantage <laughs> to plug some of our own stuff. So, um, I brought, so I did all the artwork for Click Click Domino and singles. Uh-huh. I do a lot of collage work and stuff. So I bought one of the um, postcards that I did that all the singles had different artwork. So I made postcards, mainly for myself. A few people bought them. <laughs> I like them. My mum likes them. So I brought one of those to get to try and get in if the uh-huh. bouncer liked it. Which one? Oh, uh, which single? We do, br- we do bribery here. Liars, this one. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. Wow, I love it. I, like I love the collage work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I, you I've also brought my shameless plug, uh, which is, this is the record, so the, as we get into it more, our album, <clears throat> Click Click Domino, was written on the road because we said yes to every single gig we could possibly play, <laughs> and written in the back of a four-door Kia um, <laughs> oh, and on man. that on that journey, I took film cameras out with me, a large format and thirty five millimeter film cameras. So we did a photography book of the whole, a uh, huge amount of the journey um, on film, black and white pictures and color of of everything we saw and everything we did. Basically, um, the good pictures, not the absolutely shit awful <laughs> ones that no one will ever see that are blurry and terrible. But there's a little bit of the U.S. and America. And it's a cool picture I took of Jake from Greta. That is fucking cool. That's a really and, great one. All sorts of stuff. Um, urinals, Toilets. Nashville, Steph. <laughs> all sorts of cool shit. So I'm going to bring that. I love that. Where can listeners pick up a copy? We have only a very limited number left on our bank account. And on our website, I think there's a few. There's a few left. Yeah. I see Ryan heading over to Bandcamp to scoop up the last few. <laughs> I, sh- I wish I would have known I would have done it on Friday, you know, on Bandcamp Friday. There's something like, I don't know, nearly 200 pages of f- photographs here. So I really haven't made the money back on the film. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to try. That's on my Christmas list. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, Folks you... who want to buy me things. Well, you heard from out my, my intro. I'm not getting you anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that. But it's still going to go on my Amazon wish list that all my fans can check it. <laughs> wow, you know what? that's great. That got us into the bar. Let us in. Because I'm not sure we're old enough. <laughs> we can't get back in the Kia, you know. It's been too much time in the Kia. <laughs> well, welcome, everyone, to the Tunes and Tumblers bar. I know it isn't much to look at, but that's because Omicron is making it very, 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 very hard to open up to the public again. There was a time where we actually sat down with artists and shared a drink together, but you know what? This is just our new normal. Season three has been an entirely remote season, and you know what? I'm just used to it as I sit here drinking my, you guessed it, Topo Chico. Well, anyway, I'm going to stop being depressing for a second. Let's get some tunes to drown out the emptiness Ryan, what are we listening to today? We're listening to Click Click Domino, the new album from Ida May, out now on Val Road by way of the Great 30 Tigers. This is a great record. I think it's such an expansion of the sound y'all explored on Chasing Lights. It really feels like this journey into the heart of America that kind of juxtaposes all the beauty and the wonder with this sense of kind of creeping darkness. And it's all elevated by this rich instrumentation and vocal harmonies that we were talking about blurring genres, but it like kind of pushes the boundaries between folk, blues, garage rock, delta blues. So much to enjoy, so much to explore, but we can get to that in a minute. First, we need the tumblers part of this show. We need a drink to take us on a ride into the heart of America. Pedro, what are you fixing? It's my chance. Um, okay, so um, as Anthony was saying, yeah, you guys blend all these all these sounds together, and I just like it. It was so interesting to me because I'm like, you guys are from the UK, and you're doing, as you said, you know, Americana, um, and you're doing it so well. So it's just, it's this blending of, of worlds that I really enjoy. Like there was times where I was listening to the album and I was like, this could be like in a pickup truck commercial and there's nothing fucking more American than that. 
So like, it's great. I love it. Um, and then, so I wanted to sort of blend some UK and some America into this drink. Um, so obviously gin for UK and whiskey, because I mean, come on, more specifically apple whiskey. Um, there was this, the intro to the album is uh, Road to Avalon. And I just love like, you know, the imagery that that sort of drums up, you know, this legendary place, this aisle of fruit trees and stuff. So that was sort of the inspiration for this as well. Um, so I started with gin and then I decided to use apple whiskey. Um, Jim Beam makes a really good apple whiskey. Um, and I, uh, put that together with some pear cider and some aromatic bitters and it just gives it like this nice, uh, crispiness. It's got the sweetness of the apple whiskey with like, you know, the, the strength of the gin, um, and the pear cider really just sort of like evens it all out. Um, and to sort of give it a little something extra, I smoked the glass with uh, a stick of cinnamon uh, beforehand. So I let that smoke while I mixed everything together. And then I added some just dried pears and apples to garnish. And this is the drink. It's beautiful. Oof, it is, man. That looks dangerous. It, it is. It is pretty damn delicious. I got to say, and I'm calling it an old Avalon for Ida Mays. Click, click Domino. Oh, that's beautiful. I want one now. That's yeah. going to cost me. I have to restock the liquor cabinet. Sounds powerful. For this one. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's really strong, but damn, it's enjoyable. It's, it's what people say. Our manager always says, "Spirit forward." Yeah. <laughs> See, it's fucking perfect. <laughs> I, I think Pedro, that sounds incredible. You really do have a sense for the time and the place and the flavors there, and I'll just have to imagine it as I always do. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> Cheers. 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 So, Steph. Chris, let's talk about the first obvious thing, which is that even though you're both from the UK, this is the type of music that you make. What originally drew you to the sound of American blues and the Deep South? Well, I think for me, it's uh, we always think a little further back than kind of uh, contemporary British uh, and American music, I guess. Because I grew up on a my dad's record collection, which was you know, my, my first kind of musical memories of when you really listen to music and you go, oh, my word, what's this? It was listening to Free. Um, it was listening to the Rolling Stones and it was listening to Led Zeppelin. And then when I was a, you know, teenager growing up in the UK, we, we've discussed this quite a lot. I think we were very lucky to have a really good rock and roll boom. So at, all at the same time, we had Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, the White Stripes, the Black Keys. Oh. The young Kings of Leon, the Von you know, Bondies, the first three Kings of Leon records, and so, you know, I was listening to all of that at the same time, and all of a sudden I heard people like you know Jack White and Robert Plant, and you know all of those guys talking about the blues and talking about you know Robert Johnson and Sun House and Blind Willie McTell, and um, I'm a bit of a um, little OCD and a bit of a purist, so. I would take my pocket money and started to find out these names. And every weekend I go to the CD shop and buy everything whoever recorded in their entire life. And I just listened to that very early uh, blues music, especially when it was like one guy and an acoustic guitar and all that distortion. And I just fell in love with it. I was like, these guys are just gunslinger, cowboy outlaws. Like, and when you were a young, impressionable teenager, that just becomes really kind of especially as a long-haired outsider guitar player in high school like you know a lot of us were it's like you know it was just incredibly exciting uh, but then at the same time in my first band I had a the drummer in the band uh, his parents were medieval musicians so they listened <laughs> to like tons of early folk music uh, and I can remember one Christmas party they uh, handed me a load of Pentangle and Burt Yanch and John Renborn albums uh, and say, go and listen to this. So at the same time as I discovered all this early blues, I discovered all this coffee house, folk stuff, British stuff. And I just kind of fell in love with all of it, really. And all the guitar styles that come with it um, is what I became mainly obsessed with. Uh, and that's kind of how it began. It was just, it hit me at just that perfect moment when you're, you know, 15, when you really start getting into this stuff and things become really important and you want to hang your hat on <laughs> stuff and just fell in love with it. You, you, you were a little different. You came to a yeah, similar I, age. But... I grew up doing classical piano and flute. 
although I don't talk about that too much. Um, <laughs> and just really fell in love with jazz through that because there's always a jazz piece at the end when you're like six or seven and you're playing. And I was always more drawn to that. And then from there, I discovered, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday. Um, and I just fell in love with that. Um, and I grew up in Crawley, which is not particularly creative or artistic place just <laughs> south of London. And everyone was listening to, you know, Black Eyed Keep. Black Eyed Peas and, st- and mm. Dynamite and stuff, which is great too. And I was listening to, but I was just for some reason really taken by, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and all these m- much more mature. I was probably only 13 or 14 at the time. And then from there, it got into Etta James and Aretha Franklin and Soul and Blues and Betty Smith. And we met at college. And I think um, that really, Chris really opened my eyes to a lot. Like he introduced me to Free and Zeppelin. And I'd heard a bit of that, you know, on my dad's. 50 greatest rock anthems of the year sort of records, but I'd never sort of dived into that. So he really introduced me to that side of things. And we, we really shared a love of a lot of blues then. Mm. This playlist is already going to be so stacked. Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that you kind of did the, did the work, like went into town and really, you know, went and got everything you could you know to do it nowadays i feel like it's so there's like playlists made and i feel like it's it's so much at the tip of your fingers that i feel like it's it's you can do it like you can look back and still learn and hear all the great stuff but there's something different about going in every weekend and really touching it and spending time with it and connecting with it on a deeper level we were, i feel like we were quite lucky in that i could buy a certain number of CDs that I could afford when I was a teenager. And then I had to listen to them over and over again. Whereas now, even as like an adult, I will go onto Spotify and sometimes I want to listen to something new. And I spend so much time browsing like you do on Netflix. that I never even listen to anything or I'll listen to something for five minutes. <laughs> and I think that was part of the attraction with that very early music as well, is that with those CDs, I would, you know, it's just, I don't even know how I would buy them, maybe eBay or something, but I would like get like copies of rare because Germany had a really into their blues. So they had rare cuts of early blues CDs and stuff. And I had you know, like one friend that went to America on a holiday once that I begged to go into a record store and, and bring <laughs> CDs back and stuff so I could just devour more. And it became kind of like this um, weird kind of treasure hunt or something it's like an archaeological dig into music and i think partly mainly just because of the way those early recordings sound being all crunchy and old it felt like you were really unearthing something really exciting and i i I do that constantly still now i'm still searching now because spotify and stuff like that used to be rubbish for finding this stuff and now everything (laughs) is there which is totally overwhelming and same with the really early folk stuff now I'm, i dive back and i try to find you know early folk recordings of, of all sorts of things and uh yeah it's just it's just an obsession and it's, it's exciting and i love those weird compilations you you can still find on spotify and stuff rather than playlists go look for old cds that someone bought the copyright to or something that they've finally got their old cd on on there or something and there's weird cuts by all sorts of people and random records i I love doing that yeah i feel like all the all the european compilations of the american blue stuff are so strong it's so like this often so much better than (laughs) you know american labels like there's this label called buffalo i think it's what's it called buffalo something and they do these just insane early 50s country rockabilly compilations and I've I've found so much amazing stuff through there. People are obsessed with it over here. It's we're very kind of beard strokey when it comes to blues and folk music. <laughs> very different, you know. It's like if you play uh, some of the kind of more Americana festivals we've played in the UK, people will sit in silence and they'll watch your fingers and they'll judge you and you know really suss out whether you've done your homework and whether you're <laughs> okay. How close to this? Whereas in America, you play people just start screaming and shouting and hollering, <laughs> spilling their apple whiskey and that sort of thing. You know? <laughs> We're not saying one is better than the other, folks. Enjoy your music. <laughs> There's one thing I wanted to mention, though. There's this uh, great CD that was put out, I think, in the early 2000s called Original Seeds, and it was songs that inspired Nick Cave and the Bagged Seeds. And that's where, that's where I found out about like Blind Willie Johnson and um, like who else was on it? Um, a lot of the early blue stuff 
you know, uh, Odetta and John Lee Hooker. And isn't that funny that it came from an Australian band? Yeah. Yeah, well, this, awesome. yeah, and the, yeah. There's another really good one, just to make your playlist even longer, which <laughs> I remember so vividly, which is, uh, do you have Uncut Magazine in the U.S.? I think I th- we, there is a U.S. edition. I think so, yeah. But it's less pronounced, I think, maybe, yeah. A decade ago or something. But we, uh, I used to get Uncut, which I don't think exists anymore. And it used to be you get your free CD on the front, you know, you pay six ninety nine, and then you get your compilation. And there was one that was fantastic, which is Keith Richards had compiled, I think, 14 songs that had really inspired him. And uh, if you Google it, you can still find the playlist and find the songs. But it's a really concise compilation of what Keith Richards and the Rolling Stones would have been listening to. And there's some great tunes on there, like Rocket 88 and stuff, and really early sun cuts and stuff, uh, which is, yeah, man, it's really worth diving into. Yeah, I, I've not heard of that. And then, yeah, I'm going to run, not walk to that. <laughs> there's so much more that I want to talk about in regards to this album. But first, I, I just want to mention that I do think that there's like such a big difference in the way that music consumption works between physical and and just streaming and like yeah there used to be such a ritual going out finding the cd taking it home playing it uh there's a lot of intention that goes into that um i think that's why even though i have access to pretty much every song ever recorded at my fingertips i will still go out to the record store i will still try to find something I'll bring it home, I will put it on the turntable, and I will sit with it. Like, there's just something so powerful about just doing that. I don't go to, like, record stores as much as, like, Ryan or Anthony, but I used to, like, take a day or a night out of the month, and I would just sit at my computer and hunt, like, for new music, or I would, like, you know, find stuff that I had shazammed weeks prior, and, like, I would just sit, and that would be, like, the night. And even that is, like way more engaging than than just having it and it's i was just talking we've talked about it on the show just talked about it with someone else like a few days ago where yes it's it's amazing you have all this stuff right there on your phone you can stream whatever you want but you definitely don't engage with it with it the same way like like i couldn't like i'll I'll hear a song come on that i have like on a playlist and i'm like i know that song i couldn't tell you who sings it or probably the name of it though and that's like with the person I was discussing it with, he's like, that's a problem. I'm like, I know. And it used to be like, you know, I would collect this music one night and like, I would sit with it for like the next however many weeks. And like, it would be all about that little chunk that I just downloaded. It's different. And I mean, it's convenient, but at what cost? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I still download on my phone. I love that. (laughs) Record songs in the wild and voice notes. And that's how you get to enjoy it. And then you upload it to, to LimeWire so other people can have it. <laughs> Creating, yeah, it's been copied in so many times that it <laughs> you hear the sound artifacts and it's distorted in a different way. Oh my God, that's so funny. I was thinking about how different it was when we all had LimeWire. And my version of All the Small Things by Blink-182 had like these weird clicks and pops at the end. And now every time I hear that song... I expect the clicks and pops and they're not there. And it's really frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I remember downloading a version of, of this love by Maroon (laughs) five a long time ago. And it was a little bit different. And at the end it, it like transitions into, she will be loved, but to the beat of, of this love. And it's like, and every time I hear the, like, anytime I hear the regular song, now I'm like, this is trash. It doesn't have like the proper ending. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, it, it doesn't work for me. All right. I'm going to reel us back in for a second because I do want to talk about Click Click Domino. Um, I actually have mentioned your music on the show before during What Have You Been Listening To? And I went back and found that episode yesterday. And I talked about the song Deep River, which I am obsessed with. That is still, it is still on my running playlist to this day. And I know it seems a little bizarre that I would put like a blues folk song on a running playlist, but it's just got this incredible build to it. Like it just seems like it's just careening out of control. And I love the story behind it. The exploration of this disillusion of dreams that seems sort of timeless in a country like America that's built on 
this promise that everyone can make it. And I'm wondering, how did this story of two lovers with slowly dashed hopes come together for you? Well, I think you've already explained it probably more explicitly than I ever have <laughs> in an interview. That's a perfect way of putting it. Um, I don't know, man. It's just a... Uh, we tried to keep keep the songs kind of pretty metaphorical and kind of loose, and you, you've already drilled into them a little, yeah, a little kind of close to what we were kind of singing about. <laughs> uh, and I think just um, you know, you know, just breathing in the the history of, of America and uh, uh, seeing it in the the high definition that we have now. Um, we've been across fifty states um, in the last four years. And we've played everything from, you know, 70s and 60s line dancing clubs behind hooters to, you know, <laughs> stadiums now. And it's pretty surreal. Uh, and and I, I think as well, all of that kind of uh, bled into this idea of us very often traveling on our own um, in a kind of Bonnie and Clyde style with just everything in the back of the car and, and just me, me and Steph, even when we've done the larger shows, we're, we're very often just play as a duo. So I think traveling like that, we invite a lot of experiences. Whereas if you're a band in the back of a, a bus or a, a van, even you're kind of insulated against the world outside your own little microcosm, just traveling. Whereas me and Steph, are, I think must be very yeah. approachable. We, we get all be. sorts of, <laughs> people <laughs> approaching us and you know hitting the merch you know selling our own music every night to people as well you just get immersed in all of this and stopping and, um, in places that you wouldn't normally stop you know yeah we'll pull off the road you know towns, in the middle of nebraska or wherever it might be and just be there for, for a minute as much as we can just to absorb as much as we can and just, and at the same time, we read a lot of history. So, you know, we, we do as much as we can with the, the history of the places that we were in and where we've been. And, and also just, uh, so all of that is part of that song. And, and also just America in general is a wild, wonderful, crazy, awful, fantastic, brilliant place all at the same time. <laughs> uh, and it is such a uh, cacophony and, and huge contrast. Uh, and I think the contrast is what I was trying to kind of capture a little bit in Deep River uh, and just wanted it to, like you, you said, that kind of runaway train was the idea. It's just all these, uh, you know, lyrics and, and, and poetry. I'm a big fan of people like Ferlin Getty and, you know, those kind of writers and the Kerouacs, you know, in the same time I was listening to the, you know, that stuff when I was 15, I was reading on the road and all that. And then there, here we are, you know, running around like this. And uh, I don't know, the song just came together like that. So that's a very rambled way of not really telling you anything uh, about the song. <laughs> but it's so I guess we kind of uh, it's a little bit ourselves. It's a little bit anyone that's trying to make any sort of a difference uh, in America and also just some of the obstacles and, and weirdness and wildness. And I was kind of harking as well to, you know, Subterranean Homesick Blues, the Dylan record and stuff like that, you know, uh, and some of the storytelling on, on that record um what's the album bringing it all back home you know there's mm. the uh the song about the mayflower and stuff and all that stuff anyway i was just kind of inspired by that but wanted to make it weirder and stranger mm. so that's a very yeah non-descriptive description of the song yeah, very point. <laughs> it kind of gives me the same vibe as that dylan song the ballad of hollis brown except that oh, one yeah. is probably the ending is a little bit more macabre <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we can't, can't stop, stop doing, doing it. it. Yeah, we can't, we can't stop, stop doing, doing it. it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask one more kind of deepish question about this song before we move on. Um, I know that you've said in interviews that you don't like to write like explicitly political messages into your music, but I'm wondering, like, especially listening to Deep River, you kind of you kind of can't separate that like from the reality, and I'm wondering if you think it's possible to talk about and romanticize different places without bringing in their political context, or do you think that that is kind of necessarily part of their DNA? Uh, I just think it's, it's a, it's a really complicated thing to do because I'd hate to preach to anybody. Uh, I mean, there's obviously things that we feel that we've kind of hinted at, which you feel are very wrong. <laughs> 
but I, I'd hate to preach, you know, I'm not American. You know, if I was an American singer songwriter, getting super political and having grown up in a system like that is very different to being an outsider looking in, mm. you know? So, um, but then politics is in everything. So if you pass through a small town that has no industry anymore and you write about it, that's politics, you know, you can't help mm. but it sneak in there. Yeah, yeah. So, and I get, and folk music has always been very political and uh, and driven and, and says something. I, you know, just you know, being we don't want to be super explicit about certain things. And also, um, for me, I think music in those very early stages was all about romanticism and escapism. You know, like uh, when people say, you know, writing songs, you've always got to write about yourself. You've got to write how about how you feel. It's got to be real. You know. And sometimes that's a little self-indulgent. I think Nick Cave said stuff like that. It's a bit like, listen to me, you know, <laughs> listen, are, are, are my feelings and emotions important? You know, so in some respects, it's nice to just, I find myself taking on a lot of persona, you know, and just living in characters because it's more exciting and it's more fun. So in, in terms of it having a really pointed message, any of these, um, it's not really our place to do it, you know. And in fact, I probably wouldn't have said that a few years ago. Uh, I probably wouldn't have said that a few years ago, but I think as well, being in America, uh, you know, posting about certain political <clears throat> issues uh, when we were a smaller band, a lot of people would tell us to shut up and say, you're an entertainer. I on, you know, online would say, you know, I don't want to hear you, you know, preach. I don't want to hear what you think about that. And, uh, and that's, I don't know. It's something that's stuck. I guess, are we entertainers? How much do people speak out about issues? I, I don't know. It's it's something I, we struggle with and think about a lot. Um, and then we only have a tiny pedestal. It's not like we're, you know, mm. some big band or Justin Bieber. It's not like, you know, us saying anything about anything is going to make a difference about anything. But uh, so, yeah, I think it's hard to get away from politics and these things. And I think if you listen closely, like you have, it's pretty clear <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's but, what we wanted to do as well is create something that if you want to really dive into it and, you know, take from the story, what you think we're talking about, et cetera, or you can just run to it and not consider it. Just think it's a great. Yeah. But I think the big thing for us is persona. It was becoming these characters and, and just disappearing into this story for a little while is uh, that level of escapism was more important to us than wagging our fingers at people, you know? I like that you brought up persona because that was going to be another one of my questions. I saw that you described your songwriting partnership as a Bonnie and Clyde dynamic. And I'm assuming you're not out robbing banks, but how do you see that playing out in your creative collaboration? I think the Bonnie and Clyde thing is more also just us on the road together on our own across massive states in America, you know, and just this wild adventuring that we do completely on our own without killing anyone or robbing any bank. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we might need to rob a bank soon. <laughs> I was going to say, the fact that you've managed not to at this point is... <laughs> Pretty amazing, really. Um, so I think in that sense, um, I don't know how Bonnie and Clyde would have written a song together, so I can't speak for them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of write the bulk of it, and Steph comes in more as the editor. So maybe I'm driving the car, and she's telling me which way to go. Or yeah, mm. I'm backseat driving. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I, I really want to keep going with this conversation, but we only have a few minutes left before we have to transition. And I want to get to what I alluded to earlier, which is this incredible list of instruments you have on this album. And if if I could, I want to read off what I have gathered so far. Um, there's a century old, uh, century old parlor guitar, a gut string banjo ukulele, a vintage Japanese drum machine, uh, 1920s mandolinetto, analog synthesizers from the 60s and 70s, uh, a Beatles-esque uh, Mellotron, and, and even a Native American buffalo hide drum. And, and so, a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate, isn't it? Yeah, w when this comes out, it's going to be Christmas like three days in three days. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm wondering what's your inspiration in bringing all of these instruments from different time periods together was? Well, I think we, we just, we had the idea to clash things together. We it's wanted exciting, to, and it? working with Ethan Johns on the first album, you know, we were 
very aware that you know playing a resonated guitar or an acoustic guitar being a girl boy americana duo singing in harmony um, you know what i mean it's like we could so easily end up putting on a little bit of banjo and some more harmonies and a hammond organ which we know we we know we did that sort of thing but there's a certain sound to that genre uh and there's nothing wrong with it but you know we're we're not a, a very normal i think americana or kind of duo and we just wanted to make sure that we were recontextualizing and clashing a lot of those sounds into more modern context, you know, and I, I, I think a, like a ukulele banjo from the 1920s, you know, which is, which is a you know, very early kind of American sound and European sound, you know, these little ukulele orchestras that people would be in and what have you. It was odd to put that in a context where it would start an album with a kind of Beatles-esque Mellotron to be this huge, great landscape sound that comes from those two instruments. And it was about recontextualizing it really. And also just trying to represent some of the land and the places that we've been that have fed and watered us. You know, it was like, you know, we want to take sounds from here and, and replace it, put them into new places. And, and also we didn't, you know, we didn't work with any samples or, you know, anything digital really. Most of it is all, real sounds through microphones and, and we wanted to do that as much as we could and, and the things that we collected on the road as well as some of the samples we used on the album it was just to kind of infuse it with you know as much realness from our travels as we could really and it's exciting in the studio i think to find new sounds and play around with toys and you know really it can really inspire you if you get stuck in a in a bit of a rut on a certain song or something you try plugging in a synth and trying something totally that you would never consider on that track it can change everything and also chris likes buying stuff so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we, i mean we produced our own record so that was a great excuse to buy lots of things uh but it's uh you know it's like when you're producing a record like that and and also because we recorded it just the two of us and then uh, added the drums and bass afterwards so deep river for example was was recorded just me i think it was the third take it's all live vocals mm-hmm. and acoustic guitar just all the way through and then we added, I think you sang harmony, and, and then we added things afterwards. So it was a case of just, you know, it's just like being in a, a kind of sandbox and you're a kid just playing with all these sounds and just finding out what works. It's the most exciting thing. Uh, so that was really the idea behind it. We had the idea of synthesizers, old drum machines and old American and British sounds, and that was it. You got Marcus King to, to he's the one who contributed the solo on that, right? Yeah. He did. Which yeah. he did before the drums he did two passes before there was any drums before there was any drums and then Ethan wow. put the drums on without hearing marcus without hearing marcus and it's sound it's bizarre it sounds like it's they were playing together sound-y. it does it sounds yeah. like they're playing off of one another that's incredible it's really lucky lucky yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think the line uh broken screens flying machines kind of sums up a lot of that i think too that's a great yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I love that line. It's also slightly stolen from James Taylor. There's a, oh, is it Sweet Dreams and Flying Machines and in Pieces on the Ground? I've seen it's from Fire and Rain. The end of that lyric, mm. I stole Fire and Rain by James Taylor and, and messed it around a bit. So I can't take all the credit for that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, the folk, the folk tradition, you know. Yeah, that's right. I love this. I love the idea of buying stuff on the road too. I have a, I have trouble not buying things that I'm really drawn to. Um, I uh, and I love that you have that sample. It makes me think of the sample you have of those people about buying the um, the glow in the dark Elvis in the, in the audio <laughs> dialogue. Where was that? Where did you hear that conversation? Was that in Tennessee? I can't even no, remember where that it was. It was in a college town somewhere. There was so much more of that conversation. It was so great <sighs> that we didn't put in because we didn't wanted it to be subtle. It's probably dangerous even putting it on the record. We could be sued terribly, but it was... It was in a vintage <laughs> store. In a vintage store. Somewhere. It was in a, yeah, like a vintage store somewhere. And they were just talking about how they really loud. desperately wanted to buy a glow-in-the-dark Elvis and where they could get one from with these incredible voices. And it's just crazy. <laughs> and also, I didn't realize as well, but... When you add samples to music, you find these weird coherences start to happen. Mm. And the song that is playing in the background of that vintage shop when she's talking is in the same key as the song. And so that kind of twiddle uh, of me playing guitar oh, at the beginning wow. is in the same key as the song. And that's complete fluke. It's weird. Wow. That is strange. How the, yeah. Love that. That's, that's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think it's time that we moved on, but I, I, I kind of want to do what I always do and ask a question of the group. We've been talking about Click Click Domino being a love letter to America, both the good and the bad. And I'm wondering, besides America or just like a piece in America for anybody, what is a place, you know what, anywhere in the world, what is a place anywhere in the world that always fills you with that same sense of the sublime? Amsterdam. That's right. Honestly. You went. You went for your birthday uh, a while back, right? I've gone. A, I've gone a couple times. I fucking love that city so much. And I, the thing is, like, I don't even. I don't even partake in the in the marijuana when I'm there. Um, I just love it. Like, it's beautiful. It's so serene and just like, uh, I I love it so much. Amsterdam forever for me. You know, I think Berlin or Hamburg, Germany. I was about to say, yeah. I went to school in Germany for a while when I was little, and then we spent a lot of time touring in our other band in Germany. So there's something incredibly familiar and comforting about Berlin and Hamburg, yeah. someone we really love. Absolutely. And then also where I grew up uh, in Norfolk in the UK, there's a beautiful coastline there, mm. um, a place called Warberswick. I think it's just, That's your favorite which is place. a very English sounding place name. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably one of the most beautiful places <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I was going to say, we should, we should consult, the, uh, consult the photo album and see, uh, <laughs> pick a favorite place from there. There's some pretty bad ones in there, actually. Some places I wouldn't want to go again, actually. <laughs> Do you want to go back and check out those uh, the urinals there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Where else we just were? This last run, a few weeks ago, Idaho. No one ever talks about mm. how beautiful Ooh. Idaho is. Oof. Really? It's incredible. Unreal. I suppose the sky. Some of the, yeah, yeah, I suppose some of the beauty of Montana kind of leaks over into Idaho a bit. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I think Idaho and Wyoming and Nebraska, they get a bad rep. Even from each other, they all take the mick out of each other. <laughs> I was going to say, even people from there are like, oh, this place is shit. <laughs> well, I love that. I thought it. Beautiful. I think yeah. if you live anywhere long enough, the you know, the beauty becomes kind of um, normal. What, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you get used to it. I, I grew up in yeah. Napa Valley, and when people hear that, they're like, oh, it was probably so gorgeous. You had vineyards everywhere. I'm like, yeah, but it was just normal, right? Like, I hung out at the bowling alley like anybody else. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I bowled with my gold-plated bowling ball just like every other kid. See, this is what I'm talking about. It was not like that. <laughs> We like all we ever do is hang out at the uh, the um, the billiard tap room, Bilko's. Like it was just you know normal small town America across from like this really old nineteen twenties uh, Presbyterian church. Like it, yeah. And we we'd throw diamonds into the trash for fun. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll round this out. Wait, no, Ryan, you haven't gone either. But I'll go. I my my place is more of a general one. I have had this obsession with the desert, the um, like especially the Mojave. I I like I love this idea of a place being so empty and seeming so barren, and and the landscape being gorgeous and it swallows you up, and yet there is so much life there that you can find if you just look. Um, my friend Devin, she's a, a, a friend of the pod. She does our sister podcast, Fuckboy Book Club. Whenever Drew, whenever an episode gets released, Drew release an episode. But yeah, she has the same um, obsession that I do. Like it's just it's it's indescribable. I love just going out into the desert and just being there. Absolutely, yeah. Did you ever see uh, Sonic Highways, the Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, HBO documentary from a few years back? I actually didn't. I listened to the album, but I never checked out the documentary. Mm. Yeah, there was a line. Sometimes you got to get outside the city to get inside yourself. I love that. Very deep. Uh. <laughs> I don't like. I don't. I don't know what it is about the wording. I don't like it. Yep. <laughs> yep. I get it. I like the sentiment. I feel like we. I feel like we can work on it. But go ahead. You should let Dave know. I mean, he's very open to. <laughs> Dave, um, give me know. a call, please. 
Let's he, let's work on this. He's like surprisingly responsive for someone who's been in the music business that long. <laughs> like he, like you can send a video of you taunting him, and he'll probably respond. Oh my my phone! It's Dave. Dave girl's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go the opposite direction and pick Solvang, um, the Danish oh, capital wow. of America. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do, do you do you know of Solvang? No. Um, so this is this really absurd um, uh, Danish-themed little town in Santa Barbara, Santa Ynez. And uh, they just basically recreated a small Danish town right out there in wine country. And, um, and yeah, it's just, to me, it's just so, it's really quaint and really... I mean, the weather out there is, is so beautiful, but it's this really quaint little town, and it's so American to me, this sort of recreating and another <laughs> another area just kind of smack in the middle somewhere. Going anywhere, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I feel, I just feel transpo- transported and very at peace there. It's worth, if you if you ever find yourself on the on the coast, it's worth taking a, taking a peek. Um, it's amus- very amusing. Mm-hmm. Good jams, good pie. Like, probably like Denmark then as well. I w- well, yeah, I and mean, then that's the the main reason I go there is because I'm dying to go to Denmark and I haven't. He's been. like no, he's like no, hate it, no fuck Denmark, that. no way, <laughs> ever, gross. Um, no, I am dying to get out there, so I just haven't. It's on the list. It's on the list. This is quite the road trip that we've mapped out. We're s- starting in Amsterdam <laughs> and ending up in Solvang. Well, thank you, Steph and Chris, for coming out for this interview. But I think before we say goodbye, it's time for our favorite game. Who wants to play some hashtag mood? Oh, I do. Drew, hit that that. theme song. See, it's totally worth it. We had to play the theme song for you. That was thanks to Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty, our wonderful uh, proprietors of Mood. What is Hashtag Mood, you ask? Hashtag Mood is the game we like to play at the end of every show to flex our playlist building skills. What we are going to do is head over to the Tunes and Tumblr's voicemail box and listen to either a voicemail or a text from a fan or friend of the pod or both. We will hear that mood and each of us will get the chance to pick one song to match it. So without further ado, Drew, do you have a mood picked out for us? Hey, it's Jacob. I'll be traveling to the Midwest for my cousin's wedding next week. My fiance is very COVID anxious and while we are vaccinated and will be masked up, my entire family will not be. I am preparing for the inevitable anti-liberal anti-covid precaution family conversations they all especially dislike california so it's shaping up to be a fun one (laughs) why the fuck are you going (laughs) what a trip jacob has in store for him does anyone (laughs) want to take this one away first guess first all right we'll start i thought fleetwood mac little lies Oh, we've just been uh, watching the Beatles get back mm. uh, documentary, which is changing our lives. Beatles goggle box and uh, get back. seems like a very appropriate song to be listening yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Going to this. I love <laughs> that. This love wonderful, that. magical moment. Um, also also, you mentioned Gogglebox my brother-in-law is from the UK he just turned me on to that and I'm like obsessed I want to be on it like it's so fun (laughs) it's just watching people watching TV I live what? I live (laughs) I'll go ahead and go Um, I chose Me, Myself and I by Beyonce 
because that's all you got. <laughs> and from now on, I'm going to be my own best friend. You're going to be by yourself at that wedding. I don't care if you're taking, you know, your significant other. You guys, It's every man for himself. <laughs> so I'm going to take this in a different direction. I kind of wanted to go tongue in cheek with it. And so I picked a really sweet song about getting together with your family and how happy it can be. It is Family Reunion by the OJs. Um, which starts off, it's so nice to see you, all the folks you love together, sitting and talking about all the things that have been going down. <laughs> so a very opposite mood to this, but you know. It's before everyone starts drinking. Yes, it's, it's, before, <laughs> it's before everything starts to break down and your racist uncle starts doing what he does best. <laughs> Cheers. We all know that... Um, Christmas is in a couple of days, so just be ready, folks. We all know what's coming. Just give hand to all of us, yeah. <laughs> that could not go better into my pick, which this is slowly transitioning into the drinking and the uh, uh, Uncle Jay's racism hour. And uh, <laughs> uh, I got to pick one because Nick Cave's on the brain. Uh, we're going to go with People uh, People Ain't No Good. <laughs> oh, I love that song! <laughs> From the Boatman's Call. <laughs> Um, I think even if you know you hate this particular family or you're not vibing with them and it sucks, you just have to remember that it's not necessarily them. People ain't no good. People are shit, in the words of uh, Slipknot, or people equal shit. Um, you know, it ain't in the hearts that they're bad. They'll stick by you if they could, but that's just bullshit. People just ain't no good. So just keep telling yourself that and you'll get through that wedding, you know? expect nothing <laughs> fun fact ryan i discovered nick cave and the bad seeds through that song through the shrek 2 soundtrack <laughs> oh is that the, like um i like my town yeah it was the second no. song that captain hook sings so the first one oh he sings oh, that's right. is that, yeah that, uh, that's right that's right yeah tom waits right. and the second one is nick cave so like that that captain hook has range it's amazing people oh, have come on to she's a star to, to Nick Cave through Shrek and Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you know, red Did right hand. Oh, God, what a trip! Though. I think I discovered Stevie Wonder through Disney when I was like a child. Oh, was it like the superstitious thing they did with the the haunted mansion with like Raven? Or like didn't didn't like Ra didn't like Raven Simone do a cover of Superstitious? Strongman film. This is Stevie. Wonder. Who's the? Oh, he also does like Mulan. I mean, I'm sure he's done a lot of things with Disney. Oh, that's right. He did. What was the song called? True to Your Heart or something? True to Your Heart with like 98 Degrees. Oh my god, <laughs> that was a oh, fucking jam. That, that 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 credit sequence, fire. <laughs> that's great. There's a lot of good. Yeah. I'm Randy Newman. I think that was great. Yeah, oh, Randy yeah. Newman. Yeah. Story. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of. Good stuff. Phil a Collins whole generation the knows about him. <laughs> the Tarzan soundtrack. Oh, dude! Phil Collins didn't have to go that hard, but he did. <laughs> he <didn't. laughs> there was no need to, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We just need a little something to go with this Tarzan movie, Phil. <laughs> Hold my fucking beer. <laughs> <laughs> listeners do you have a mood of your own leave us a message by calling or texting the tunes and tumblers hotline at 626-604-6477 tell us what you have planned for your holiday weekend and who knows your favorite artist may just get to hear it on the air well stephanie chris it has been great but it is time to shut down the bar the lights are coming on they're ringing that big bell the bouncer is giving us that like you you can't uh, you don't you don't have to go home but you can't stay here. Look, does anyone have any lingering thoughts before we spill out onto the sidewalk? Or more plugs? We can merge the thoughts and the plugs. No more <laughs> thoughts and plugs. Someone um, says a bar is closing. I just think of summer of '69. Seems to be the song that is always playing <laughs> when they're shutting down a bar. Interesting, because here it's closing time. I was going to say, I want to go to those bars. Which <laughs> bars are you going to? Give me those names. Here it's, yeah, here it's like, yeah, Closing Time or Mr. Brightside. So. <laughs> I've just been thinking about setting fire to cinnamon sticks. I, I just don't understand how that works, how you do that. So, you, like, I have, I have this little device. It's literally just a smoker, and you can, like, break up a cinnamon stick into it and, like, light it, and it will make, like, a good, like, stream of smoke. 
Um, or you can literally just light it on fire, but you gotta like make sure it's really well lit and then put it under the glass for a while. Either way works. Either way works. I mean, it will light. It's literally just bark. It will light. <laughs> Beware. Yeah, use caution. We will post the recipe and a photo of the drink the Wednesday after this episode drops. And yeah. I think we should also just do a quick story to show how one smokes a glass. That might be fun to do. <laughs> we can do that. We can do that. Well, thank you once again for coming on to the show. This has been so great. I love this album so much. The Listeners, go check out Click Click Domino. There truly is, even though we've been talking a lot about blues and Americana, there is so much texture to this album. No two songs sound the same. There's something for every mood. There's even great workout songs, as I've told you. To be fair, you work out to Celine Dion, Anthony. Like Who doesn't? No. Because <laughs> I'm your lady. <laughs> Pedro's more of an avant-garde uh, workout person. He does more interpretive, <laughs> interpretive dance to the, I, yes, to the uh, Penguin exactly. Cafe Orchestra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely. I put on my ankle weights, and I just go... <laughs> he only works out to uh, Sandy Denny and the Straubs, actually. <laughs> Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> and while it is, you know, most likely time for you two to start unwinding for the evening, it's time for me to actually eat my breakfast. <laughs> we love that. Cocktail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast and a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us out so, so much. Also, if you go down into the episode description and scroll to the very bottom, you'll find a link where you can support the show. Every dollar goes to keeping the lights on and getting supplies to make those delicious drinks. Tunes and Tumblers was produced as always by Drew Franzblau when his ox cord works. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. Our hashtag mood jingle comes to us from Jacob Jeffries and Jesse McGinty. And until next time, cheers. 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 Crashing through the make with chandeliers